This week on One Body Stewarding God's Creation, Dr. Amy Hogan talks about mastering self. How does mastering self affect families? Or society? Can fasting make us healthier? Let's find out. Here's Dr. Amy Hogan. Well, it's been a little bit since we've been talking with you, so hopefully we won't repeat or be redundant. But first of all, we absolutely need to begin with prayer. You can never have enough of that. So let's begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth takes its name, grant conversion of our heart to our world, our society, and our families, and especially to our own hearts regarding the sin of contraception. We believe, beyond a doubt, what the one holy Catholic and apostolic church teaches about this moral evil, and we wish to be a light to the nations to make the truth known wherever this evil practice and ideology has taken root. Call us to be faithful to your command, to be fruitful and multiply, so that we may advance the civilization of life and love that you wish to create for the human family. Bring to conversion those who in public or private lead others into the sin of contraception and who erroneously teach that it prevents abortion. Help us all to be purified of the lies and distortions of the culture of death by obedience to the truth and bring us all to the fullness of truth through the guidance of your church. We ask this through the intercession of the Immaculate Virgin Mary in whose fertile womb your blessed Son found his home on earth. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That came from the beautiful Novena Prayer for Conversion from Contraception. Why does our world need conversion from contraception, you might say? Or you might say, hey doc, I'm past that. I'm in menopause, or my wife's in menopause, or, or maybe you're living single and celibate. Awesome. Amazing. Great for you. Here's why. If you go back to the basics, the Ten Commandments, you'll see a theme there. The theme is love God with all your heart and soul, mind and body, and love your neighbor as yourself. And um, kind of in a more broken down way, self-mastery, respect for God and respect for others and respect for sexuality. And here's what happens if we don't have respect for sexuality. Now, there's always been people who don't respect others and don't respect God and don't respect sex. But in the last 50 to 60 years, it's gotten more, more fuel on the fire by the era of contraception and abortion and meism, in other words, selfish desires and selfish pleasure, become number one in the lives of the people. So you're saying, gosh, what's contraception have to do with all this? Well, let's go to the beginning. If one is not respecting God or his laws for sexuality, which respect the other, then it's pure selfishness. We're going towards what is right for self. And if we're trying to be selfish, then pleasure-seeking is number one. And pleasure-seeking often leads to lustfulness, where we have no troubles using others for our own benefit. 
which would lead to unbridled sexual behavior, sexual appetites, things like pornography, children outside of wedlock, which starts with having sexuality or sexual relationships outside of marriage, uh, which is basically intrinsically selfish. Then we have children outside of wedlock. Then we have more poverty. Um, also, in this area of lust, I uh, listened to a really great talk by Hudson Biblo. I hadn't really understood why sometimes people get led into homosexuality. So Hudson Biblo, B-Y-B-L-O-W, do you have time? Listen to this talk. Uh, founded on formed.org in pursuit of my identity. Uh, Hudson's also on the internet. You can find him and his website. But Hudson Biblo talked about how lustfulness and pornography led to his homosexuality. Really, really sad, but true. He was a um, young person, probably ripe old age of uh, 11 or 12, and got exposed to pornography, which then by the a year later, it didn't even excite him anymore. So he's like, I went to great extremes to find new and more exotic things, still didn't turn him on. So strange as it sounds, his addiction to pornography led him to homosexuality. Uh, addiction to pornography also can lead to unchaste married life because that person's already cheating with their eyes, if you will, um, and then makes it one step easier to cheat with their bodies. So lustfulness uh, has to be tamed by self-mastery, which is where we're going to jump into in the encyclical letter Humana Vitae. So coming back around, our series has been on Humana Vitae, which is on human life and how we love and live for Jesus. And I do uh, ask you, please pray for your families. Pray for those who are around you. Pray for the whole culture. Pray for society. Uh, Jesus wants us to be well. Jesus wants the world to come back to him in fullness and truth. But unfortunately, so much is leading us astray right now. The talons of evil have got their clutches around people and right around their throats and choking them to death with all of the distractions of the world. So pray and invite your friends to read together. Uh, invite your family to listen to good talks and to be able to listen to divine mercy or things that will lead them the right direction. We're all a bit lost at times, and we all need one another to get back on track. We want Jesus's kingdom to come to earth. We're going to talk about Humana Vitae today, and some of our topics are going to be self-mastery and creating an atmosphere favorable to chastity. If we get further, we'll appeal to public authorities. But first of all, this self-mastery thing sounds kind of scary. But number one, it starts with humility. It starts with surrender. So my question for you is, it's Lent. Have you been to confession yet? Confession is one of the greatest gifts of the Catholic Church. It's even discussed in some psychological circles that Catholics, when they go to confession, have a psychological stability that is a gift to them. That when you get your sins off of your soul, it truly does stabilize who you are in the center of yourself, and it's yourself surrendering to God 
which is an amazing gift. So what is that surrender? That surrender is allowing yourself to be loved by God in the way that he desired, that we humble ourselves before his throne. You know, a lot of times people want Jesus as their savior. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. I'm sinking. You know, we go to him when we're having troubles, but is Jesus also your Lord? One of our pastors once talked about this a few weeks ago, and he said, having Jesus as your Lord means that you also submit to him in some way, that you bow down to him, that he's your king or your master. Are you willing to let him be your master? In doing so, we have to find a way to develop self-mastery, which is what this particular couple paragraphs in Humana Vitae is going to go into. But before I jump into that, I was reading up in Mere Christianity. I have a women's book club. Yay. Shout out to the beautiful women in that book club. Uh, But we're reading Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. Now, C.S. Lewis is not a Catholic, but he brings up a lot of points that are definitely strong Christianity topics. And one of them is talking about the perfect penitent. And so his chapter on perfect penitent talks about why Jesus came and why Jesus had to or chose to die for us. So C.S. Lewis, though, talks about this hole that man's gotten himself into, that Jesus came uh, to a world that he created, but we were being rebels. We were uh, making it so that Jesus came in a world where people were being selfish and unkind um, and needed a savior. Um, But what kind of hole do we get ourselves into? He says, a hole where we have to be thinking about if we really want to go back to Jesus, that we have to lay down our arms, lay down our self-conceit and self-will. And he writes, and I quote, Now repentance is no fen at all. It is something much harder than merely eating humble pie. It means unlearning all the self-conceit and self-will that we have been training ourselves into for thousands of years. It means killing part of yourself, undergoing a kind of death. In fact, it needs a good man to repent. And here comes the catch. Only a bad person needs to repent. Only a good person can repent perfectly. The worse you are, the more you need it and the less you can do it. The only person who can do it perfectly would be a perfect person, and he would not need it. Isn't that paradoxical? Unquote. I'll end the quote there. Uh, But willing submission is what it requires of the human, and for that, my friends, we need Jesus. I just thought of a really little but simple humbling example of when we need to submit, which is, um, for example, teaching a child to potty train. Now hang with me here. When you have a child that needs to stop and potty, they have to be able to admit that they have to be humble and stop what they're doing and stop their playtime and go potty. And um, so you know, sometimes they'll get too busy or too full of themselves or uh, too active. And then there's either one of two things happen. They have a big accident, make a big mess of things. Or uh, number two, you know, they get backed up and blocked up and we have constipation. Constipation is pretty common in four, five and six year olds because they tend to want to do things themselves 
and they'll retain and retain and retain until it's just um, you know blocked up in there. So humble self-mastery, humble willingness to submit to what our parents want us to do, what our bodies need us to do, and in the end, what God wants us to do, self-mastery. And um, self-mastery for couples means something more. That means looking to others, looking to the other as more important than themselves, helping the other to get to heaven. So let's read a little bit of Humana Vitae today, <laughs> our, our text that we desire to unravel today for you. So number 21, if you did buy the little tiny, the little teensy tiny booklet, like I said, I think each and every one of us would benefit from it. The encyclical letter itself is tiny. It only goes for 15 tiny little pages. Um, and I know many of you are novel readers, so do grab this booklet off the internet or from your favorite Catholic bookstore. Number 21. The honest practice of regulation of birth demands, first of all, that husband and wife acquire and possess solid convictions concerning the true values of life and of the family, and that they tend towards securing perfect self-mastery. My kids were discussing vocations the other day, and they were saying, you know, Mom, marriage is the natural vocation, but when you have a cult religious life, that is a supernatural vocation. And I said, yes, 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 but they all need to be holy. And so... This means dominating one's instinct, being able to say, yes, this is the call, and this is how we will express it for the sake of God and his kingdom. So each vocation is a holy vocation, and in fact, must be. Uh, we can only have holy priests if we have holy families who are then open to life and children and the goodness of raising them in a Catholic family. So let's read further, jumping back to the text, because I don't want to miss any words. Really, it's so deep. To dominate instinct by means of one's reason and free will undoubtedly requires aesthetical practices so that the effective manifestations of conjugal life may observe the correct order, in particular with regard to the observance of periodic abstinence. So let's pause for a second in the text. So that means taking time for one another, if you're able to pause or take a break from sexuality, it is sometimes very affirming to the other rather than the opposite, which is, you know, taking advantage of their particular abilities, their talents, if you will, uh, to give you something that you want. Back to the text. Yet this discipline, which is proper to the purity of married couples, far from harming conjugal love, rather confers on it a higher human value. It demands continual effort, yet thanks to its beneficent influence, husband and wife fully develop their personalities, being enriched with spiritual values. Such discipline bestows upon family life fruits of serenity and peace, and facilitates the solution of other problems. It favors attention to one's partner, helps both parties to drive out selfishness, the enemy of true love, and deepens their sense of responsibility. By its means, parents acquire the capacity of having a deeper and more efficacious influence in the education of their offspring. Little children and youths 
grow up with a just appraisal of human values and in the serene and harmonious development of their spiritual and sensitive faculties. Amen. It's almost like I wish I didn't have to say more, but let's go back and digest this a little bit. Essentially, what they're saying is practicing natural family planning or giving regard to one's sexuality, the rhythms, if you will, of the fact that sometimes women are fertile, sometimes women are not fertile, that men are always fertile, respecting their sexuality if you wish to regulate births and do it licitly, then practicing periodic abstinence, in other words, some form of natural family planning without hindering the human body can help develop the human person by self-mastery. You with me? Giving up selfishness, a remedy, a remedy to selfishness in our marriages is to practice natural family planning. It also aids to keep sexuality within marriage uh, because without contraceptives, the, the modern contraceptives aid sexuality outside of marriage. They try to erase the fact that there may be a consequence. Interesting, eh? But finally, natural family planning in St. Pope Paul VI's opinion and writings here are saying that it deepens love, it deepens respect, and it enhances the chance that children and youths understand human values, that true human life matters, that sexuality matters, and that their spirits matter, that their spiritual lives matter to God. You respect God, you respect sexuality, you bring family life to full fruit. And of course, when you do have children, it certainly allows parents to have already practiced self-mastery so that when they are needing to be selfless for the children, they're able to do so in a more sensitive fashion. Periodic abstinence is a little bit like fasting. You give up something for a time, but you know that you benefit because you did die to self just a little more. You know that you did do something for Jesus that was beautiful. And it's also imitating Jesus. I was listening to uh, a great talk recently. It was by Scott Hahn, and he was talking about the covenants, the sacraments, the things that God does for us. And he was talking about the beauty of marriages, that we get to lift the veil of Jesus for just a moment to see the beauty and the grace of God come to human life. And marriage is obviously one of those sacraments where if it was not for God, I think it would be impossible, be impossible to put the other first. And so in this area, in this area of sexuality, putting the other first also allows for deeper love, deeper conviction, and then the children observing that love become better humans. And isn't that what we really want? True life, true love, true beauty in the family, where each person taking their place around the table of life comes to their full respect of themselves and God and others. We need to take a short break right now, but stay tuned to Divine Mercy Radio. We'll be right back with more about Mastering Self with Dr. Amy Hogan. One body, stewarding God's creation. This week on One Body, Stewarding God's Creation, Dr. Amy Hogan talks about Mastering Self. One body, 
does mastering self affect families? Or society? Can fasting make us healthier? Let's find out. Here's Dr. Amy Hogan. Well, it's been a little bit since we've been talking with you, so hopefully we won't repeat or be redundant. But first of all, we absolutely need to begin with prayer. You can never have enough of that. So let's begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, from whom every family in heaven and earth takes its name, grant conversion of our heart to our world, our society, and our families, and especially to our own hearts regarding the sin of contraception. We believe, beyond a doubt, what the one holy Catholic and apostolic church teaches about this moral evil, and we wish to be a light to the nations to make the truth known wherever this evil practice and ideology has taken root. Call us to be faithful to your command, to be fruitful and multiply, so that we may advance the civilization of life and love that you wish to create for the human family. Bring to conversion those who in public or private lead others into the sin of contraception and who erroneously teach that it prevents abortion. Help us all to be purified of the lies and distortions of the culture of death by obedience to the truth and bring us all to the fullness of truth through the guidance of your church. We ask this through the intercession of the Immaculate Virgin Mary in whose fertile womb your blessed Son found his home on earth. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. That came from the beautiful Novena Prayer for Conversion from Contraception. Why does our world need conversion from contraception, you might say? Or you might say, hey doc, I'm past that. I'm in menopause, or my wife's in menopause, or, or maybe you're living single and celibate. Awesome. Amazing. Great for you. Here's why. If you go back to the basics, the Ten Commandments, you'll see a theme there. The theme is love God with all your heart and soul, mind and body, and love your neighbor as yourself. And um, kind of in a more broken down way, self-mastery, respect for God and respect for others and respect for sexuality. And here's what happens if we don't have respect for sexuality. Now, there's always been people who don't respect others and don't respect God and don't respect sex. But in the last 50 to 60 years, it's gotten more, more fuel on the fire by the era of contraception and abortion and meism, in other words, selfish desires and selfish pleasure, become number one in the lives of the people. So you're saying, gosh, what's contraception have to do with all this? Well, let's go to the beginning. If one is not respecting God or his laws for sexuality, which respect the other, then it's pure selfishness. We're going towards what is right for self. And if we're trying to be selfish, then pleasure-seeking is number one. And pleasure-seeking often leads to lustfulness, where we have no troubles using others for our own benefit, which would lead to unbridled sexual behavior, sexual appetites, things like pornography, children 
outside of wedlock, which starts with having sexuality or sexual relationships outside of marriage, uh, which is basically intrinsically selfish. Then we have children outside of wedlock. Then we have more poverty. Um, also, in this area of lust, I uh, listened to a really great talk by Hudson Biblo. I hadn't really understood why sometimes people get led into homosexuality. So Hudson Biblo, B-Y-B-L-O-W, if you have time, listen to this talk, uh, founded on formed.org, In Pursuit of My Identity. Uh, Hudson's also on the internet. You can find him and his website. But Hudson Biblo talked about how lustfulness and pornography led to his homosexuality really, really sad, but true. He was a young person, probably ripe old age of uh, 11 or 12, and got exposed to pornography, which then by the a year later, it didn't even excite him anymore. So he's like, I went to great extremes to find new and more exotic things, still didn't turn him on. So strange as it sounds, his addiction to pornography led him to homosexuality. Uh, addiction to pornography also can lead to unchaste married life because that person's already cheating with their eyes, if you will, um, and then it makes it one step easier to cheat with their bodies. So lustfulness uh, has to be tamed by self-mastery, which is where we're going to jump into in the encyclical letter Humana Vitae. So coming back around, our series has been on Humana Vitae which is on human life and how we love and live for Jesus. And I do uh, ask you, please pray for your families. Pray for those who are around you. Pray for the whole culture. Pray for society. Uh, Jesus wants us to be well. Jesus wants the world to come back to him in fullness and truth. But unfortunately, so much is leading us astray right now. The talons of evil have got their clutches around people and right around their throats and choking them to death with all of the distractions of the world. So pray and invite your friends to read together. Uh, Invite your family to listen to good talks and to be able to listen to divine mercy or things that will lead them the right direction. We're all a bit lost at times, and we all need one another to get back on track. We want Jesus' kingdom to come to earth. We're going to talk about Humana Vitae today, and some of our topics are going to be self-mastery and creating an atmosphere favorable to chastity. If we get further, we'll appeal to public authorities. But first of all, this self-mastery thing sounds kind of scary. But number one, it starts with humility. It starts with surrender. So my question for you is, it's Lent. Have you been to confession yet? Confession is one of the greatest gifts of the Catholic Church. It's even discussed in some psychological circles that Catholics, when they go to confession, have a psychological stability that is a gift to them. That when you get your sins off of your soul, it truly does stabilize who you are in the center of yourself, and it's yourself surrendering to God, which is an amazing gift. So what is that surrender? That surrender is 
allowing yourself to be loved by God in the way that he desired, that we humble ourselves before his throne. You know, a lot of times people want Jesus as their savior. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. I'm sinking. You know, we go to him when we're having troubles, but is Jesus also your Lord? One of our pastors once talked about this a few weeks ago, and he said, having Jesus as your Lord means that you also submit to him in some way, that you bow down to him, that he's your king or your master. Are you willing to let him be your master? In doing so, we have to find a way to develop self-mastery, which is what this particular couple paragraphs in Humana Vitae is going to go into. But before I jump into that, I was reading up in Mere Christianity. I have a women's book club. Yay. Shout out to the beautiful women in that book club. Uh, But we're reading Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. Now, C.S. Lewis is not a Catholic, but he brings up a lot of points that are definitely strong Christianity topics. And one of them is talking about the perfect penitent. And so his chapter on perfect penitent talks about why Jesus came and why Jesus had to or chose to die for us. So C.S. Lewis, though, talks about this hole that man's gotten himself into, that Jesus came uh, to a world that he created, but we were being rebels. We were uh, making it so that Jesus came in a world where people were being selfish and unkind um, and needed a savior. Um, But what kind of hole do we get ourselves into? He says, a hole where we have to be thinking about if we really want to go back to Jesus, that we have to lay down our arms, lay down our self-conceit and self-will. And he writes, and I quote, Now repentance is no fen at all. It is something much harder than merely eating humble pie. It means unlearning all the self-conceit and self-will that we have been training ourselves into for thousands of years. It means killing part of yourself, undergoing a kind of death. In fact, it needs a good man to repent. And here comes the catch. Only a bad person needs to repent. Only a good person can repent perfectly. The worse you are, the more you need it and the less you can do it. The only person who can do it perfectly would be a perfect person, and he would not need it. Isn't that paradoxical? Unquote, I'll end the quote there. Uh, But willing submission is what it requires of the human, and for that, my friends, we need Jesus. I just thought of a really little but simple humbling example of when we need to submit, which is, um, for example, teaching a child to potty train. Now hang with me here. When you have a child that needs to stop and potty, they have to be able to admit that they have to be humble and stop what they're doing and stop their playtime and go potty. And um, so you know, sometimes they'll get too busy or too full of themselves or uh, too active. And then there's either one of two things happen. They have a big accident and make a big mess of things. Or uh, number two, you know, they get backed up and blocked up and we have constipation. Constipation is pretty common in four, five, and six-year-olds because they tend to want to do things themselves and they'll retain and retain and retain until it's just, um, you know, blocked up in there. So humble self-mastery, humble willingness to submit 
to what our parents want us to do, what our bodies need us to do, and in the end, what God wants us to do, self-mastery. And um, self-mastery for couples means something more. That means looking to others, looking to the other as more important than themselves, helping the other to get to heaven. So let's read a little bit of Humana Vitae today, <laughs> our, our text that we desire to unravel today for you. So number 21, if you did buy the little tiny, the little teensy tiny booklet, like I said, I think each and every one of us would benefit from it. The encyclical letter itself is tiny. It only goes for 15 tiny little pages. Um, I know many of you are novel readers, so do grab this booklet off the internet or from your favorite Catholic bookstore. Number 21. The honest practice of regulation of birth demands, first of all, that husband and wife acquire and possess solid convictions concerning the true values of life and of the family, and that they tend towards securing perfect self-mastery. My kids were discussing vocations the other day, and they were saying, you know, Mom, marriage is the natural vocation, but when you have a cult religious life, that is a supernatural vocation. And I said, yes, 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 but they all need to be holy. And so this means dominating one's instinct, being able to say, yes, this is the call, and this is how we will express it for the sake of God and his kingdom. So each vocation is a holy vocation, and in fact, must be. Uh, we can only have holy priests if we have holy families who are then open to life and children and the goodness of raising them in a Catholic family. So let's read further, jumping back to the text, because I don't want to miss any words. Really, it's just so deep. To dominate instinct by means of one's reason and free will undoubtedly requires aesthetical practices so that the effective manifestations of conjugal life may observe the correct order, in particular with regard to the observance of periodic abstinence. So let's pause for a second in the text. So that means taking time for one another, if you're able to pause or take a break from sexuality, it is sometimes very affirming to the other rather than the opposite, which is, you know, taking advantage of their particular abilities, their talents, if you will, uh, to give you something that you want. Back to the text. Yet this discipline, which is proper to the purity of married couples, far from harming conjugal love, rather confers on it a higher human value. It demands continual effort, yet thanks to its beneficent influence, husband and wife fully develop their personalities, being enriched with spiritual values. Such discipline bestows upon family life fruits of serenity and peace, and facilitates the solution of other problems. It favors attention to one's partner, helps both parties to drive out selfishness, the enemy of true love, and deepens their sense of responsibility. By its means, parents acquire the capacity of having a deeper and more efficacious influence in the education of their offspring. Little children and youths grow up with a just appraisal of human values and in the serene and harmonious development of their spiritual and sensitive faculties. Amen. It's almost like I wish I didn't have to say more. 
but let's go back and digest this a little bit. Essentially, what they're saying is practicing natural family planning or giving regard to one's sexuality, the rhythms, if you will, of the fact that sometimes women are fertile, sometimes women are not fertile, that men are always fertile, respecting their sexuality if you wish to regulate births and do it licitly, then practicing periodic abstinence, in other words, some form of natural family planning without hindering the human body can help develop the human person by self-mastery. You with me? Giving up selfishness, a remedy, a remedy to selfishness in our marriages is to practice natural family planning. It also aids to keep sexuality within marriage uh, because without contraceptives, the, the modern contraceptives aid sexuality outside of marriage. They try to erase the fact that there may be a consequence. Interesting, eh? But finally, natural family planning in St. Pope Paul VI's opinion and writings here are saying that it deepens love, it deepens respect, and it enhances the chance that children and youths understand human values, that true human life matters, that sexuality matters, and that their spirits matter, that their spiritual lives matter to God. You respect God, you respect sexuality, you bring family life to full fruit. And of course, when you do have children, it certainly allows parents to have already practiced self-mastery so that when they are needing to be selfless for the children, they're able to do so in a more sensitive fashion. Periodic abstinence is a little bit like fasting. You give up something for a time, but you know that you benefit because you did die to self just a little more. You know that you did do something for Jesus that was beautiful. And it's also imitating Jesus. I was listening to uh, a great talk recently. It was by Scott Hahn, and he was talking about the covenants, the sacraments, the things that God does for us. And he was talking about the beauty of marriages, that we get to lift the veil of Jesus for just a moment to see the beauty and the grace of God come to human life. And marriage is obviously one of those sacraments where if it was not for God, I think it would be impossible, be impossible to put the other first. And so in this area, in this area of sexuality, putting the other first also allows for deeper love, deeper conviction, and then the children observing that love become better humans. And isn't that what we really want? True life, true love, true beauty in the family, where each person taking their place around the table of life comes to their full respect of themselves and God and others. We need to take a short break right now, but stay tuned to Divine Mercy Radio. We'll be right back with more about Mastering Self with Dr. Amy Hogan. One body, one mind. 